Hello and welcome to another of Autocar's series of Great Women podcasts. I'm Piers Ward, Autocar's Associate Editor, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Lisa Bolin, who is Climate Lead at Polestar. This electric car company is at the forefront of sustainable manufacturing and was one of the first to produce a report about the whole life CO2 emissions of its cars. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, maybe I can maybe I can kick things off with your job title, Climate Lead. It's not that long ago that this role would have been unheard of in a major car manufacturer. So what are your key areas of responsibility? Yeah, so um, my key areas of, uh, is basically to set up together with the sustainability team, but to lead um, the um, creation, you can say, of, uh, of climate strategies and goals. So um, we need to set up goals and then also how to fulfill the goals, uh, action plans, um, but also at Polestar, we have the mindset that everyone should be engaged in the sustainability journey. I mean, we cannot have a standalone on the side sustainability department that tries to work with sustainability and not involving everyone. So that's also something I work a lot with to engage and roll out initiatives in our different uh, departments. And, and do you find it's, easy to do that at Polestar are you to engage the rest of the company um yes I'm not sure what you maybe you expected no but uh, to be honest <laughs> yes <laughs> because um I think one of the reasons why it's I mean I'm comparing to my previous uh, workplaces and many people came to Polestar because they are attracted of new technology innovation and also sustainability uh, and and that you know, that combination is very fruitful for the sustainability work. So many people, uh, especially you know in R and D, for example, they are really innovative in coming up with ideas how to work with um, lowering our carbon emissions, for example. And and what's an average day look like for you? Um, since I have kind of an overarching role where I work with basically the whole company. I mean, we have, for example, a um, we report our carbon emissions not only about the cars like we do in the LCA but also in all other departments like our spaces um, our offices and so on so I, I have a lot of meetings with different people in the in the organization and um, keeping track of the different initiatives we have uh, so it can be you know um, to make our manufacturing climate neutral it can be about you know how do we promote not flying uh, in business travels and you know all, all kinds of stuff yeah and where were you before Polestar before Polestar I was at um, um, Nurion which is a chemical uh, company so I uh, I worked a lot with um, a lot of the you can say that you know Chemicals are in everything, basically. So a lot of the, for example, in polymers we use in, in cars, I worked with a lot of the um, building blocks of making those polymers, you can say. Yeah. And before that, I was in research. So I worked for two different research institutes in Sweden, for example. And, and always with that sustainable angle to things? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was interested in um, sustainability and especially the climate issue since uh, I was very young and you know many people think that you know uh, we started to worry about the climate 
maybe the last 10 years, but we have known about climate change for a long time. And uh, yeah, so when I was uh, in high school and, you know, middle school, I wrote, um, what do you call it? Um, to the local newspapers about, you know, we have to take, you know, have to talk about the climate and everything. So <laughs> that started quite early for me. Yeah. Do you think it's quite a sort of Swedish thing, the, the climate, the, the focus on climate? I, I think it, it feels like Sweden is at the forefront of it. Why do you think the Scandinavian nation like Sweden is, is so much more aware of climate than the rest of us are? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I lived in Sweden most of my life. So, I mean, I I don't have so much outside perspective, maybe. Um, I mean, but um, um, we all live very close to nature. Sweden is a big country with very few people. <laughs> it can be an explanation that people, you know, really care about uh, the environment. It, it's at their heart because we don't have people living in megacities. We don't have megacities in Sweden. Um, that could be one explanation. I mean, we also had a lot of um, early uh, political, um, you know, we have a CO2 tax that is, I think, from the 90s even. So, you know, we, we, we started that quite early. So I guess that people, you know, get adapted to that and, and, and incorporate into, in, into their lives. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Um, and, and what would you say is the best part of your job? Um, I mean, working at Polestar, the best part is is that the engagement from the company, I mean, from the management and also from the colleagues. And also we have a very open, I would say an inclusive atmosphere in the way that if you have good ideas uh, or ideas, maybe you don't know if they're good yet, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you can test them. So I, I really feel that... Um, the um, opportunity to to try out things and you know suggest things it's it's very um it, I, that's a good possibility here um i'm not saying that in my old jobs that wasn't possible but you know we're a young company and we don't have so much old legacy and and constraints to you know to our a company and brand so we can we be quite uh innovative in many ways and it feels like the company's been designed or being launched with a very set criteria of, of what it's about. And presumably that helps you as well. Yeah, of course. And I mean, um, I think that for me that we have sustainability as a top priority. I mean, um, not the side thing, like I said before. It's really um, something that enables us, that works with sustainability, to really have influence in the company. So that's really great. Yeah. And um, I imagine you work, uh, well, yeah, I know you work a lot with engineers to analyze the carbon footprints of parts. Traditionally, that's quite a male-dominated area of the industry. How do you find it now? Is it still male-dominated? Yeah, it is. It's still male-dominated. I can <laughs> confirm that. <laughs> but um, for me, I, I, um, I think that um, I'm not, I think that it has to do with the culture of a company as well. Um, I, I, I really feel that at Polestar, from the top down, you are very much evaluated about uh, on your, you know, what you deliver and also your knowledge. I think that we are very fact-based in our way of working. Um, 
I would say that if you present your ideas or your results in a way that is, you know, has a, a has facts behind it, I haven't felt um, that it's any problem for me um, to work in a male dominant uh, situation. But I, I'm also going to say that I'm just one person. There might be others who have other experiences. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, and do you find um, that it's handy working with those engineers, but you having a, a, a background in engineering? I think uh, you've got a master's in en- uh, energy system engineering. Yeah. So you're coming from a point of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and for me, it's really great to have that. I mean, I worked with, um, I, in my studies, in, um, when, I, when I was in uni, I was uh, studying a lot about energy conversion or production you know like hydropower wind power so on uh, which of course comes handy when you are working with electric motors for example they're basically the same technology um, so and and also you know the understanding of um, basic engineering of course it's it's really handy to have that um, don't try me on combustion engines that's not my thing so so for me it's good to be an EV company with my background I would say <laughs> yeah What does diversity mean at Bentley Motors? Diversity is what brings all these different perspectives to the table, right? These experiences that we have. And when we bring them together, that's when we create the best possible solutions. If I had to sum up diversity in one word, it means pride. It's about removing barriers. Confidence. Creativity. Potential. Understanding. It means belonging. And... um... Within your role, what are your KPIs? How do you measure your success? Yeah, so actually one of our, our main KPIs for climate is based on the life cycle assessment. You know, we made the first life cycle assessment or, you know, carbon footprint then for Polestar 2 when it came out. And um, that ended with 26 tons for the cradle to factory gate. Then, of course, we have use space and so on. But... So that's one of our KPIs to 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 work on that, and you know we set up goals for ourselves that in 2040 we're going to be a, a climate neutral company. So that's kind of from 26 to zero. You can see that. So of course we set up um, we set up uh, goals to uh, on the way there for our coming cars to 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 make that happen. So um, that's one of our absolute most important KPIs for. for for climate, I would say, and that's quite a long lead time. So, are you are there other measures before you get to that point that you that are looking at trying to constantly reduce it? Yeah, absolutely. So, we are both looking out how we can reduce in our current models. You know, because cars are out are sold for maybe you know five, six, seven, eight years. I mean, there are examples of cars who have been sold for. <laughs> A lot more than that in the history, uh, the same model. So of course we have to work with those, um, and and um, and see. I mean, just as you work with you know cost reduction, you also have to work with CO two reduction. Uh, but also of course for our coming projects, on a very early stage, we start to putting down um, targets also on sustainability and climate, so that we you know just as you put down requirements on safety or or weight or stuff like that yeah yeah that's really interesting and and do you think that um personal transport can it ever be truly carbon neutral or are there inevitable consequences compromises 
Um, it's a good question. I think that, um, first of all, the way we set our goals at Polestar is not really taking into account um, what we think we can achieve. I mean, the, what, with what we know now, uh, it's more about what do we have to achieve. And for climate, I mean, that's very clear from external sources. We know that, you know, IPCC, the UN, um, a lot of organizations, we know that we need to get to net zero in 2050. So in that way, we put our climate goals back based on that. And then, of course, we are working on roadmaps on how to do that. And that can include, you know, sourcing um, recycled materials, sourcing materials that are produced with re renewable energy. I mean, renewable energy in the supply chains is a key to, to reach, uh, to, to take CO2 emissions down. Um, it could be um, also, of course, a lot of it can be also developing new technology um, that requires less materials. So, for example, we, we, you know, we have the Polestar Sierra project, which is to produce a climate neutral car by 2030. I would say that a large part of the, you know, that project is also to boost innovation, setting up a target, and then, you know, the floor is open for any innovations that can help us reach that. So in that way, I think that back to your question is, is it possible? We try not to cling too much on that, you know, but, but just, you know, focus on that. We have to, to do it. <laughs> so that's kind of the mindset that we have. And, and what are those, you meant, what are those key areas? You mentioned supply chain and the renewable energy in there. What are the other key areas that as Polestar strives for carbon neutrality? Yeah. So, I mean, um, of course, our manufacturing has to be climate neutral and we already um, are, are, you know, work, we already achieved to have uh, green electricity for our manufacturing in Chengdu, but also we are working on making it fully climate neutral. Um, and also, of course, supply chains and that different materials. I mean, supply chains are quite complex. So what we are, you know, from our LCA, we know the main materials in a car, for example, that has the biggest impact, like batteries, aluminium, steel, polymers, electronics. There are the five uh, big ones. So in those value chains, we really try to, for aluminium, for example, we know smelting is the big emission spot. So of course we try to target that first, but we cannot stop there. We also have to go further and see, you know, when they manufacturing uh, anodes for the smelting process, when they are mining the bulk site for the aluminium. This is something that we also have to tackle, but we're trying to find the hotspots and, you know, start there. Um, we also have a project where we are looking into tracking CO2 in some battery supply chains with um, blockchain. So we used blockchain technology for tracking cobalt so that we know the exact piece, you can say, of cobalt, where it is in the supply chain. Uh, um, and it, that we, I mean, the background for that is, of course, human rights risk in that supply chain. But we're also looking into doing that using the same technology for um, collecting emission data from the supply chain. Yeah, it, it's quite a daunting prospect. Is it a question of looking at the whole 
so everything from CO2 emissions to plastic waste, mining, or, or is it just simply too big to tackle all of that at once? Do you have to just try and section things off? Yeah, of course you have to. You cannot look at it all at the same time. I think it would be very frustrating. <laughs> but the important thing is that we're both looking at, you know, what can we do now? Maybe we can find better materials already now on the market. What are the things that we see is possible with can you know you need some more you know maybe engineering to get there and then you know the things that are in a research state the thing is that we cannot only focus in on the low-hanging fruits some people call them um, because then it's too later it will be too late to tackle the things that really need research so that's also the reason why we have post our zero project because in that project the focus will really be on you know what's the hardest things to solve and how can we start working on them already now so that we are not coming on to, you know, 2030 and, and, and we solved all the easy, I would say, I, I'm doing this uh, <laughs> thing in yeah. the air now, but <laughs> the easy things. And then we realize now it's too late to solve the hard things. So we have to work on both the easier and the hard things at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned sustainable materials. What's the most exciting sustainable material you've worked with at Polestar obviously the precept has some really wacky things in it can can you give us an example um yeah I mean for example I would say that in general when it comes to sustainable materials I really I have a passion for things that where you take things that people are think are useless and make them into something valuable and usually that also is you know something that is really uh, also good for the for the environment uh since you know um, it's, I mean, recycling things are all good, but if you can take something that people view as trash and make it into something you can use in a material, that's the best. So I, there are several examples like fishing nets, making uh, new materials of um, fishing nets that have been collected in, in, the, in the sea or on beaches. I also read, I mean, you know, taking household waste and make it into polymers or um, waste from food industry and so on. So I, I, this is something that's really, I really um, think is the way to go, I think, because resources are resources. And we, if we can take something that is um, just thrown away and make it valuable again, that's really the goal, I think. So recycled banana skin seats then. That's yeah. the next. Uh, that's but, I mean, <laughs> you always have to look into how much effort it is to do it. <laughs> if you have to put in more <laughs> energy then uh, you know so so but yeah i think these things have a potential yeah yeah and uh, plastic waste from tires feels like it could be the next big thing is that something that polestar is looking at i actually i saw i, I actually haven't uh, looked into that i think that um waste in general like i said to be able to to put it back into the loop it's really something that we are really interested in looking into but yeah at Nissan, our goal is zero emissions, zero fatalities, and zero inequality in our society. We believe diversity gives us strength. It drives creative solutions, original ways of thinking, and a better experience for our customers. The automotive industry has career opportunities for people of all backgrounds. Whether that's artistic expression and design, maths expertise in engineering, or storytelling in marketing and communications, if you have a talent and a desire to succeed, there's a bright future for you. After all, innovation is only truly exciting when it's for everyone.
And I think Polestar punches above its weight in terms of how visible the brand is compared to how many cars it sells. But by making Polestar more sustainable, does that actually have much effect on global transport where you're a relatively small player? Is that a worry for, for Polestar? I mean, we're a new company, or quite, I mean, compared to many automotive companies companies <laughs> so first of all i mean of course we we are looking into the to, to grow and not always be as small player like you said as we are now but also i think that already now um we really want to be a guiding star that's in our vision but yeah um yeah. you know set an example and we really want to collaborate on certain certain uh, things with others in the industry so i don't think that we we don't see ourselves as an island that just, you know, we're doing all this sustainability work alone. I mean, we are dependent on our supply chains. Uh, we cannot become uh, sustainable without collaborating with all the all the companies that we are buying components from and so on. But also when it comes to how to measure with, well, if you're, for example, um, in the LCA, for example, we really want to collaborate and with the industry in order to set some kind of maybe it's not a standard immediately but some kind of framework in how do we calculate lcas how can we be more transparent and so on so um yeah i think that we can drive some of those initiatives that can also have impact on the industry as a whole and it's something you know i'm wondering whether other car firms do, do you know if they have a climate lead is, is polestar literally leading the way there that's a good question. I don't know if they have that specific title, but I mean, they have had some sustainability and they have people working with similar issues that, that we do. Uh, I think um, maybe we have set ourselves apart a little bit by being so transparent about, you know, for example, with the carbon footprint, like this is the carbon footprint of our car now and we are working on it. We're not saying that it's better or worse than anyone else. Frankly, we don't really know because not everyone is putting their carbon footprint out there. And if they do, we don't really know how they calculated it. So it's very hard to compare. But um, I think that's um, it's, we are opening up and new sharing a lot. Um, but definitely there are people doing this type of job in other automotive companies as well. Yeah. And does it concern you that there's a lot of focus on car emissions in the media and politicians, but not so much on the other big transport polluters like shipping and aircraft? Is the global debate missing some big areas there? If, if, if I step back a little bit from my, my Polestar job, I would say that there, are, there is a lack of focus on, on quite a lot of emissions like... Um, um, I mean, if we look at our daily lives, what we do, I mean, driving a car is, if you're driving a car alone a lot, that is a big source of emissions. I mean, if that is an ICE car, so it's reasonable that we focus on on, on um, private transport. But I mean, of course, flying, also what you eat is a big impact. So I mean, but for us, I think that we are in automotive, so we try to change things here. Uh, and um um, of course, you know, um, we can also collaborate with other industries. We have many common, um, uh, you know, materials and technologies with, for example, we, yeah, aircrafts maybe. We have similar issues in some points. 
um, electronics. We have a lot of electronics in cars. So, we, you know, batteries, lithium-ion batteries, they are found in computers, uh, um, phones and everything. So I also think that um, there could be potential to also, you know, grow that collaboration uh, on certain topics with also other industries. Yeah, I think that's collaboration feels like the way forward in both globally in terms of countries and also in, in companies. I think that's uh, something that it needs to happen, really. Um, and it's also something, you know, your customers. Do, do you feel like what's the single biggest thing your customers can do now to help Polestar in its climate goals? Other than buying your cars, obviously. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's that's an easy thing. No, uh, yeah. Um, but to be honest, if they buy a car, that's that's a good thing. But if they have an electric car, whether it's a Polestar or not, I mean, to charge that car with um, with renewable energy is really the thing that makes the whole difference for an EV, uh, especially now because you know the EV technology is still young compared to the ICE. We haven't have all that time to you know make it more efficient, and so so we have a lot of work to do as an industry to get this emissions down from production of EVs. But as a customer, basically, if you have the opportunity and can charge it with renewable today, that's uh, that's actually, a, yeah, that's the one big thing you can do. But of course, we also want to interact with customers. So, um, you know, ask, ask about uh, uh, what's the carbon footprint of the car, um, you know, all this kind of sustainability issues we want to get the question so we also understand the needs of, of or the you know what would what do customers wonder about and can we be more um, clear about what we are doing and do you find that Polestar customers are a lot more aware of the environment so they are they asking about I know that when the Polestar 2 was launched it had that sort of vegan and standard interior is that something that they're curious about and they're interested in um it's hard for me to to to, you know i don't have any stats on how many are interested in that but we know that um people are um, we know that people are interested both because we do run some service and also we also get a lot of questions and i get a lot of questions transferred to me about all kinds of details so there are certainly a, a, a segment of customers that are really well educated they do know that choosing an ev is not you know and then everything is sold they do know that there are other emissions connected to production of the car the battery and so on so we and i mean i feel very happy when i get those questions just because someone cares about what we do that's really nice and also i feel happy that i can answer that we're transparent i don't have to hide things so yeah that's that's really nice as a professional to feel like you can have that communication with the customer yeah and final question what do you see the automotive landscape looking like in 10 years time i mean the obvious thing is that i we already see the the ev evs are booming i think that we will see a wide range of uh, electrical vehicles from you know bikes small electric vehicles in cities um, more Polestar-like cars, like performance cars, you can drive long, uh, with a long range and so on. I think that there will be a, uh, and I, I also think that, um, because I'm an energy systems engineer, I think about the energy system. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think that we will see um, 
a large you know um development of the energy systems as well and maybe i i wish that too it's both a wish and i i think that will happen that you know you can charge your your car but you can also uh charge it back to the to the grid and you can use it more as a part of the electrical grid that is as a resource for balancing the grid and so on and i i i um, because we are we are part of an ecosystem around renewable energy we can say in that way so so yeah i really look forward to that vehicle to grid that's something that polestar's looking at then is it yes yeah absolutely and um uh, yeah i think that um for me it's really exciting because that's something that you know when i was studying uh, we already talked about you know the potentials in the future of the microgrids and uh, um, electric cars as storage and you know how do you store solar power wind power that is so irregular and in production and so on so so personally I really look forward to it <laughs> excellent well Lisa thank you so much it's been fascinating to hear all the environmental impacts that Polestar is looking at and how it's going about changing its way of working and hopefully changing the way of all car companies working. As you say, that lead element of it is really interesting. Um, thank you for your time. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed it. Uh, you check back in a month for when we will have our next podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you.